faithful responders consist of two deputies and two firefighters with nearly 40 combined years of service as first responders. Scotty, Jonathan, Clint, and Jacob invite you to listen as they discuss various issues that first responders deal with in their daily lives as well as on the job. The crazy schedules, training, mandatory OT, and the extra gigs provide little time for family, let alone going to or committing to a church. Their prayer is that this will be something used to help keep you encouraged and equipped in your faith. So sit on back, but don't fall asleep. Yes, that means you, firefighters. And as always, stay safe. What's going on, guys? This is uh, Scotty here with uh, Faithful Responders Podcast, and uh, we got a, another guest tonight that we're going to talk to. We're really looking forward to this. I know this guy personally, and I know a couple guys here do too. Um, we asked him to come on the show to give us his little background and uh, you know talk to him about faith. Uh, it's my man, my rookie, my first rookie, Dallas Double D Lane, aka Dumpster Dempsey. <laughs> He doesn't like any of those names except Lane, by the way. He, I so, called him Dumpster a while ago. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't care? He answered. Oh. Well, then never mind. I guess he's cool with Dumpster. He used to not be cool with Dumpster, but I guess he is now. Maybe he's just being nice today. <laughs> he's never nice. Ah, well, you know, I see the way you talk to him. So that's one reason, that's him one reason I invited him on the show is because I wanted him to, like, be a little awkward. Like you know? <laughs> I think that we've accomplished that. Okay. <laughs> No, no, guys. Dallas is, Dallas is here. We can let him talk a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, Dallas over here staring at me intently like, are they going to stop talking? Yeah, this is my show tonight. I like to talk, too. Hopefully you can all hear us a little better. Yeah. Tonight. Hey, really guys. Hey, this. by the way, we're in uh, the first time in the, the studio, and this is freaking amazing. I must say, mm-hmm. I really appreciate all everybody who's, who's allowed us to do this. That's right. Shout out to Sam Bear Collective. My man Cody T over here. Cody T recording the T Meister recording our audio. <laughs> On the one, two, three. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you having us and us up. Man with the plan. You can tell we're stand. excited about this. We're being really, really weird about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. it's cool though. I'm really giddy, like a kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> I, I'm very excited about it. I mean, speaking of uncomfortable. Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we promise he's still here. He will speak at some point tonight. <laughs> Maybe. So what's up, Dallas? You wanna? We'll go ahead and uh, let you just get into it, and um, you tell us basically a little bit about yourself, and um, we'll go from there. And uh, you can start wherever you need to. All right. Um, my name is Dallas Dempsey, uh, Double D. I normally (laughs) go by Lane. Um, Scotty was my first lieutenant in the fire service. Uh, so, you know, this kind of has to revolve around him. Um, <laughs> great. Well, no, like me, me getting back into my faith. Um, cause I've been, I've been kind of absent for a minute. Uh, I grew up in Loganville. Um, I've lived in Loganville, South Carolina, Walnut Grove. So I've always been kind of local besides that. Uh, I've worked for the sheriff's office in the jail. <laughs> so, um, in the jail on the road, uh, for a little bit. Now I'm with fire and EMS. Uh, I've been with public safety since I was 18, so it's kind of really all I know. Um, I worked under Mouton. I was familiar with council. And Scotty is, like I said, Scotty was my first lieutenant, and I just met Clint a few weeks ago. 
Um, I go to Scotty and Clint's church. I believe you, well, everybody here all, goes. Yeah, yeah. All, four of them, <laughs> yeah. all four of them go to the same <laughs> yeah. church, but I haven't been with all four at once. Um, Shout out Church of the Grove. <laughs> church of the Grove, very welcoming church. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of uh, like a quick background of me. So, well, tell us. Mm-hmm. So, like, first thing, tell us about uh, if you if you want to a little bit about your past, your life, your personal life, or anything like that that might have prepped you to get to where you are right now. And then also, uh, basically, go into when you were because you said you you've been out for a minute. Go into what you were about your faith and and uh, church and Christ and all that kind of stuff. And then what kind of got you out of it and um just go from there just go with the flow so uh faith was kind of like the um growing up that was like the one kind of consistent thing i had in my life uh when i was three really two three before i was like my mom had actually lost us uh my dad was never really present um mom lost us she was she's in and out battling addiction uh so i ended up living with my grandparents uh that was actually because of a cop with Gwinnett had found me at a gas station um, up the road from my house, drove me back. He was familiar with my family. My grandmother drove him. She was a school bus driver. Um, so she had, you know, he had taken me back, found my mom in her state, took me to my grandmother while she was actually at work. It was like, hey, I'm not going to do anything right now, but I need them. I need all the kids, you know, speaking about me and my siblings in a better situation before Monday comes. Uh, Monday came that morning, you know, she drug my mom up to the courthouse they had to sign custody papers with my grandparents ever since uh my granddad my grandmother raised me um we moved until we moved to loganville in 2005 my granddad ran a welding and fabrication plant in lilburn that was pretty nice um you know so we weren't growing up my mom wasn't really in my life uh until i got my teenage years you know it's here and there like spotty appearances so in middle school was actually like my first brush with my mother um, it was kind of weird cause I just kind of got dropped off at her apartment one day. They were like, Hey, you know, you got to stay with your mom for the weekend. We got to go handle or figured out later on. It was my grandma, my uh, granddad's sister had passed away and I immediately recognized did not want to be around her. Um, just not a person that I really was used to one and coming from my grandparents, you know, who were raised in the forties and fifties, it's a very different atmosphere. Uh, there was no structure. She was very, she wasn't even involved. I mean, literally bedroom closed. I sat in the living room, watched TV, and the guy that I guess would I would consider a stepdad at the time uh, came in and watched movies with me. And that was the first night. After that, he went to work, and I didn't see my mom again until the morning that I was getting picked up. No, it's how, how old were you at that point? I was, I was 13. I just turned 13 because uh, mm-hmm. it was in the middle of summer. Because I remember because Nana was still off of work. Um. That was like the first consistency. Until then, I didn't see her till I was 17. Um, my grandparents were great to me growing up. It was rocky because it's just they didn't have you know I've I've let Scotty in a little bit about how I was raised. It was it was it wasn't 100 percent the best. Had its hiccups, but it was definitely something I'm appreciative of. Something they didn't have to do, and they did out of the kindness of their hearts, um, and they did well with it. When I was 17, I actually enlisted, and my mother came wait till my uh my mother came back to my life strictly to write the state write a congressman and try to get my enlistment pulled because my grandmother she had my mom didn't even recognize that my grandmother had full custody she thought it was temporary custody that's how out of it she's been for all those years 
she was totally unfamiliar, thought that she still had say-so, and that's when she found out my grandmother had custody after two years, became full custody. So, you know, I was like, that's, ever since then, my mom's been consistently in my life. And I think it's because she kind of realized, you know, that maybe snapped, like, she never said it directly, but I think for her, that was the moment, like, I almost lost my kid to something that I didn't have control over. Um, the Army ended up not working out, and, you know, that kind of relieved my whole family, but my mom was prompted after that to stick around. She actually moved in shortly after with us, with me and my grandparents. Um, when I first got involved in church was about that time. I met a girl I went to high school with, and we were dating. And, you know, she, she was a real she was real faithful. Her parents were, but I just wasn't, I wasn't raised in a church. So it wasn't something that, you know, I really stuck around. My grandmother was raised Catholic. So when it was talked about, it was, you know, I mean, it was fire and ice. Like there was, you're either perfect or you're, or you're not, you're not anything. And so that was my only brush with it. So I was never comfortable in the setting. Um, with the girl I was with, you know, we started going to a few different churches local. And I said, you know what, I kind of I kind of really feel this. Uh, <clears throat> the only reason that prompt, like, the only reason I really wanted to start that is because when I was in basic, um, I'd wanted to be in the Army since I was like 12. Like that was my, I knew at 12, that's going to be my life. I'm going to do my 20, get out. That's all I want. Uh, about... About right toward the end of basic, I pretty much got told, hey, um, you're going to go home. I had been diagnosed with Tourette's, and they said, hey, we don't have a waiver for you. And, I mean, I'm, I'm 17. My life just got crushed. My dreams got taken away. So I'm crying my eyes out, went and saw the chaplain, and he's like, you know, what's your faith connection? I said, I, I don't know. My grandmother's Catholic. That's, that's really all I was ever, like, taught about. And, like, I wasn't even familiar that, you know, Catholic was a whole separate thing. Like, I didn't know denominations, nothing. Like, that's, that's how out of touch with it I was. And so he handed me a rosary and said, hey, hold this when you pray, you know, and just, just talk to God like you're talking to anybody else. You know, don't, don't feel uncomfortable. Well, I laid down on my bunk that night. My eyes are swollen. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, when I say crying, I mean, like, sobbing. And I get toward the end of this prayer and I, I kind of just to be funny to myself, I'm like, and please turn it on. The AC had been busted in these barracks for three years. And I said, please just get some kind of AC. The AC units kicked on about that second in my bay and the bay next to us. And I felt the coldest air I've ever felt come across my neck. And I about died laughing. And... I kind of ended up having a conversation with God that night. That was like, you know, I hear like all these like moments of people like, hey, you know, I was saved during this. I didn't necessarily feel saved, but I felt blessed at that time. I was like, okay, there's there's an upside to this. There's something ahead. Um, so that's what prompted me to get involved in church once I got home. Found a couple churches I was, you know, really comfortable with, and I found one I actually stuck with for a while. Um, I won't name them just because, you know, one bad experience doesn't, you know, doesn't constitute who's there. But... Basically, um, come around September of 2021, my granddad ended up passing away. Uh, I was working in South Carolina, still kind of living in Georgia, going back and forth between the two. And after my granddad passed away, I started cranking on a ton of overtime because I kind of knew I was getting to where I was going to move back home. And after about a month and a half, I get a phone call. And, you know, it's like, hey, and, and this, is, this is really my only negative experience was, during the conversation, I said, hey, you know, I've got this going on. I just kind of went through this. And one I was speaking to goes, well, you can't be a backstepper. You know, we, we don't have space for that. And when she said that, I felt so, 
I don't want to say intimidated, but I felt like I was pushed at that point, at that moment. Like this was a member of the church. Yeah, this is this is the person responsible for keeping in touch with everybody who attends, whether it's one time, ten times, every Sunday. This is the person who reaches out and talks with us. Um, she had told her like, "Did your granddad pass?" I had I had told her all this before she said anything, because she had asked me, you know, if everything was okay, where I was, and I tell her everything that's going on. You know, hey, like I'm driving from Loganville to Anderson every shift. I'm, you know, I just don't want my granddad passing. I'm having to deal with his money, my grandmother's money. I'm having to deal with getting wills figured out. And she said, hey, you know, we don't have room for backsteppers. You can't be that way. You got to make sure you're here. And at first, I didn't take it as a shot until she repeated it. And that that infuriated me because I was like, you know, I've I've came here for years. I've worked my tail off. You know, I've given everything I could because I'm I'm not. I don't always volunteer, but when I do, I'm big on it. It's got to be, you know, it's something I'm going to connect myself to. And I'd done that multiple times with this specific church, and it was great. And for that all just kind of be thrown out the window because I can't attend for a month, month and a half, made me feel like it was like, hey, we don't really care. You know, you're either here or you're not. We don't care what you're doing outside of here. Well, even if even if it was, it wouldn't matter if you were out, you know, <clears throat> relapsing or anything. I mean, I would simply have said, oh, i I guess they took the prodigal son out of the Bible because uh, I'm not even that guy and you don't want me. You're, you're like threatening me. And where's my fatted calf? <laughs> and my work is not for you. My work is for the Lord. Yeah, what the heck? I don't work for you. Our work is for the Lord. Yeah. See, and, and, that's, and that's what I felt like. I mean, I literally felt is at that point I felt like I was like, you know, hey, am I who am I really going to church for? Mm-hmm. And this is where I – kind of wondered to myself said you know was church a chore is this something i was forcing myself to go to because i was happy with it because i felt like i owed that and it, it really made me question where i was in my faith and it kind of you know i told scotty i i actually bounced around on my beliefs i didn't really know if i believed what i believed anymore because that's that's how like everything going on in my life and now i'm being told like i'm a backstepper okay well if it's that easy for me to backstep am i really committed and it took me out of church for a while. And I mean, up, up until here recently, because I held on to that. I, you know, I made sure that I was doing my part and not, it wasn't work. It wasn't a chore for me. I didn't know that at the time because, you know, that statement alone, it had an impact on me and I didn't think it was going to have that kind of impact, but to be called a backstepper, it, it was, it was a throw off. And I, I can see where that struggle would be in, in <laughs> internally. I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. uh, because if you're a backstabber just from not going to church for a little small increment of time, an uh, 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 infinitesimal amount of time in the grand scheme of things. And Scott, what, are you, what, <coughs> Scott, are you looking up a definition yeah, for yeah, infinitesimal? I, was, yeah. I, can't. I would if I knew how to spell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ask me to spell like you did last <laughs> time. Yeah, yeah, no, I was just going to ask Siri later. <laughs> I'm just, I just make it up as I go, people. Just make it up as Sorry, I go. John, if it, I just combine a bunch weird. of different <laughs> phrases together. and just yeah. If it comes off the tongue, that's just, I mean, we keep moving. With that's it. also the reason he's the only one that has a test later on. Today. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Smart guy. But the other part is that if it's that easy to be a backstabber, how, what standard, how hard would it to be to meet the standard to be uh, part of the team? <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's exactly what I thought is you, I started looking at like 
you just said like grand scheme of things. I started looking at the grand scheme of things. I'm like, you know, man, I've like I've done. I, I was I was not a good kid. I wasn't. I mean, I talked back. I didn't. I I still remember telling my granddad, "They're not spanking me." I was probably nine years old. And I was like, "You're you're not spanking me. I'm not doing that." And you know, I I didn't I didn't follow all ten commandments. You know, I I I did stupid stuff. I stole. You know, I disrespected elders and. You, you lie. It's you know whatever happens happens. You're a kid, but I started looking at all that and I'm like, wow, like I'm not, I'm not one of these people. Like I'm not, I'm nowhere near a perfect person. And everybody says, you know, that's the big thing with churches, no perfect people allowed. But I've met a lot of people and her in general, you know, kind of made me feel like I'm far from, I'm far from the standard. There is there is a standard and I don't meet it. And when Shame. I felt that way, yeah. that's internally, I'm like, okay, this, this is a conflict. I don't want to fight. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm, I'm wrong. And that's how I felt. I felt like I was not worthy of going to church again because I've done all these things. It's so easy for somebody to cast, you know, that kind of opinion on me just off of this alone. What if they knew everything from before? What are they really going to think then? What is everybody around me really going to think then? Yeah, it's mm. terrible. Mm. Well, the sad thing is she may not have even meant anything that bad by it you know she may have had the best of intentions all along but just the way that it was worded and the way that it was perceived completely that's you know, true derailed your your train if you will you know and i I've, I've seen a lot of people that say stuff like that, that they don't like to go to church because of the people at the church you know there's and i think we can all think of times that people are extremely pushy in one way or another and it's kind of a shame, but I, I think those people have the best intentions in mind. I just think they don't think about how they how they deliver what they say. Sometimes. I also think that over time, sometimes they get, depending on who their their head elder slash pastor is, um, it, a lot of it has to depend on how he's he's portraying himself to the church, and that's how they portray themselves to others. And I think over time, people forget the purpose they even go to church. It's like. It's almost like I don't want to say cultish, but you know, like yeah. it's almost like to get this brain focused on one thing, and this is how we're supposed to do. It. It's like the people who go to uh, my dad's old church. There's some people who used to go there. Like if a guest came to church and they sat in their seat that they sit in every, they'd be like, oh, "Can you move that to my seat?" And it's like, mm, no, it's not. It's not your seat. And how dare you? Like <laughs> take back seats. Yeah, <laughs> take back seats. I'm like, I'm like, really? There's people. There's grown people like that, you know. And uh, some of them were deacons. And it's like, so I, I carved me, my name in the bottom of that chair. Okay. I was here yeah. when it was bolted. Is That's your, my gum under there. Is your, is your name on it? Well, actually it is. As a matter of fact, this is, this whole pew is mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I agree with you, but at the fire station, I want you sitting in my seat at the table. <laughs> no, we don't have give, seats, but they give me seat. such hard he's time. Gonna, he's going to bring a label maker to work. They give me such hard time because, but you know, this is a, so I got to meet, uh, Dallas in January and they sent me out there and this is uh, and I've told him all this kind of stuff when I first met him there's there's a lot of things going on I mean he's um, there's there's several things that uh, I can see in him that it, it haven't matured yet and and like I said we've talked about this and I'm not degrading him in any way but what I try to explain to people because other people can see it too and what I try to explain to people is the fact that well unlike us who are privileged to have a, a warm household to come to and people who like really care for us. And I'm not saying his grandparents didn't, but you're talking about grandparents trying to raise a kid. It's different. And so they're not, 
it's a lot harder for them. They're older. They, it's it's the different generations. Um, it doesn't. It's it's just a lot different. And so there's a lot of things that I saw as an individual that you know you you needed help with um, in maturing, basically. Um, and like I would tell people, you know, it's so funny. This is another thing that like you can't judge a book by its cover. We hear that all the time. And so when people used to ask me about you, um, I mean, no one was like really like mean or anything, but they would just be like, Hey, what about in, in, you know, one of your little sayings in rookie school is like, dang it, Dempsey, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, somebody would say something. And I was like, well, look where he's coming from, man. Like, I mean, can you call your mom and dad? Well, cause he really can't. I mean, he's not going to get any, any influence or, or positive feedback from his mom. And he's never talked to his dad. I said, so how can you judge somebody that is, is, you know, you, you have no idea what their life is and how it is to be like that when you've had that privilege. And there's a lot of people like that. And then you have people at church and people all around you that sit there and say, we, can, we don't need backsteppers. How dare, like, you don't know who that is. Like, and you don't know what, you don't know what you could become. Like, her doing that could push you away. And who knows how the Lord could work in your life. Like, you could, I mean, you just don't know. Like you could start the next revival and have no idea, and I'm I'm not saying, but it's any anything is possible, and we just live in this little finite mind of ours, and we're so zeroed in on such a small like you know tunnel vision like life, and it's like man, can you imagine like that lady? She probably doesn't even know. She might not even know that he feels this way. I don't know. Can you imagine her getting that? Say say she gets to heaven and and she didn't mean anything by it, and say she gets to heaven. And that comes up. Can you imagine, like, like you almost turned somebody away from God, and you thought you were, and and it makes you think also, like, when those when the Lord says, I, I, I never knew you, you know, it's almost like whoa, because it's so sad. But we act like it's crazy and crazy and crazy. But if you think about it, man, there's a lot of Christians, quote unquote, they do that every day because somebody doesn't look good or somebody doesn't dress right or somebody doesn't come to church right or or doesn't pray a certain way or do anything i mean it's it's infinite amount of what we're talking about here and it just when i hear that it frustrates me and makes me so mad because there is no church here that should we have the right to judge in a positive way not in a negative way and this judgment is not out of a, a judgment of fix this it's a judgment of love okay and that's the love that god has for us his judgment and his and everything in the Bible, people twist that and be negative. It's not. It's a positive thing. It's to better us. And that's what we should be doing for other people in a loving, perspective way. We don't just sit there and come out and say, oh, this is, I can't believe you're doing this. You know, she doesn't even know what you're going through. You tell her that. And she still is like that, which means she is focused on what her elder has told her. And here's the thing. People blame, you said people, Clint said you people blame the church and and to Christ all the time. And people always blame God in the church. That's so funny because God in the church is perfect. The church is perfect. God is perfect. And yet we blame them. So we blame the perfect ones. But yet the persons, the people who are in the church and sitting in the positions that they are, are not to be blamed when they're the ones that are the ones actually doing this. And be honest with you, if they're doing this, then they weren't appointed by God. And if they were then they have lost their track and they're on the wrong path because that's not, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And it frustrates me when I see 
people and churches and, and, and things doing this because ultimately they're not they're turning away sheep and people to come to Christ and they think that they're actually doing God's word and God's work and that's not what they're doing we're supposed to be fisher of men <laughs> yeah you know yeah uh, I think Clint uh, said a, a really really good it kept repeating over and over and over again in my head um, where you're talking about their intentions their intentions may be pure right Right, and, and, and the follow-through may be um, a little bit nasty, you know, a little bit toxic and uh, vicious and some seemingly vindictive sometimes, right? Um, but the intentions may be pure. It, it, it just comes across badly, and that speaks to what Scott is saying, too. I mean, truly, like, what you say to these people who are, who are walking that tightrope, because anyone could have said what they said to you, Dallas, and uh, saying, well, um, what did they say exactly again? Just back, we don't have time, or we don't have space for backstabbers back, here. Backstabbers, goodness. Uh, well, uh, they obviously use that incorrectly because that is so ridiculous. Who, who's back are you stabbing? Because it's back, not, back sorry, nope. backsteppers. Backsteppers, yeah. ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Stepping back <laughs> here I go. Christ. <laughs> Me and my okay. wife have already talked about the fact that I need to get my ears checked. Um, so, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Uh, uh, so, so, this is good news for you, though, because now she's not just going to blame it on like selective hearing. I mean, you, got, this is good. you see it. Y'all yeah. see it. I, and that was genuine, yeah. folks. I'm not yeah. trying to make a joke. I truly have terrible hearing. All right. So, back steppers. Okay. Uh, those who, you, you were walking a tightrope at the time, right? Yeah. You, you were in the middle of being indifferent to, like, I want to step through this door. What does it entail? You know, I know I, I want to get my relationship back with Christ, but I'm kind of testy right now, right? I'm kind of, I'm, I'm walking this tightrope, and I want to find a church, and I want to find a community that, that loves and respects me, right? And just that one phrase from one person who is, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, not significant, mm -hmm. right? They're not, right? But their words were. And so... Uh, it's it's just it's that one thing that I was thinking about like it's it's I want to hear past that for you because mm -hmm. we already know like how significant one person's word is it could be destructive or it could be great uh, truly graceful for your life mm -hmm. right so how did you overcome that and get to where you're at now so for a while it kind of had a ripple effect <clears throat> um, downward for me because I have so I help with my niece and nephew as well. Um, they live with me and my grandmother. So um, they ended up transferring. They go to Loganville. So, you know, and it's it's a bit of a church town. You know, everybody has some church they go to. And, I mean, they had both asked about going. You know, for a while I had seriously shunned them away. I was like, look, like, our family is not like theirs. You know, we that's not a place for us. That makes me sad. And Yeah. Yeah. It was like that for, I mean, for a long time. And honestly, up until I met Scotty, I had, you know, I, it was a negative thing for me. That's that's pretty much all it was up until the time that I kind of like leaned toward, I'm it's, it's on me now. You know, like it falls to where I need to make the positive out of this. And overcoming it really wasn't as hard as it needed to be. I kind of, I put my own mindset into that of, like I said, you know, I, I carried myself like, okay, I'm not worthy of going there. I'm not going to fit in. That's not my group of people. And, you know, I would sit down and talk with Scotty a lot. And he would just, I mean, just ask questions. You know, there was never anything belligerent. There was never anything derogatory. 
It was just questions like, hey, why do you see it this way? How do you view it? And, I mean, I, I tell them this day, everything we talk about, whether it's this, that, and the other, there's wheels turning. You know, I have to really think about what I'm doing. And for the longest time, you know, something hounded on was like, look, like, I'm not, I'm just curious, like, why are you turned away from it? Like, what's, did the church do its job? And he asked me that question one day. He said, do you think it's because that, that church didn't do their job for you? And in, in return, I kind of, I sat on that thought for a long time. And I was like, you know, what, what could they do for me? Like, I'm, you know, I'm there to work. Nobody else is there to work for me. In the end, that's when I realized, like, it's, I made a chore out of this. That's what I did. Going to church is not supposed to be a chore. You know, following Christ is not supposed to be a chore. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be something you put your faith in and you leave it there. It's, there's not it's, a church assessment. Right. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's no test. There's, no, there's nothing to study for. You're there right. for a purpose, and that purpose is given to you. Sure. And I didn't, I just, I negated that belief for so long. And when I finally kind of realized, like, I'm the problem, you know, I'm making a chore out of this. I said, you know what? It's like, it's going to go one or two ways. I said, when, if I just open myself up to it, maybe it'll change, maybe it won't. And time went by, and about about a month ago now, or about, well, about a month and a half ago now, I said, you know what? I, I'm tired of being lukewarm. And I've heard, I've heard that term, you know, and a couple, me and a couple of my buddies talk about it. And I consider myself lukewarm for a while. So, you know, I, I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. It's not something you can be lukewarm. You've got to be all in. You don't have to, you know, go to church every Sunday. You don't have to sit down every night and read the Bible for an hour. Don't make the chore out of it. And that's what I was scared of doing. And the easy, the easiest thing to overcome was just take that first step. It was, hey, where's the church that I'm going to feel comfortable in? And it's it's the first time going, so I'm not going to feel comfortable. You know, it's about when I get there, how is it going to react? So I ended up talking to Scotty. I said, look, I don't, and those are my words. I said, I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. I want... I want to feel comfortable in my faith and put it there. You know, it's it's going to be like I'm starting from the you know, start line again. I'm nowhere near the finish. None of us are. And that was the hard part for me. It's, I, I just don't know where to go. He goes, look, just go. He said, if you want to wait, you know, because his shift was going to interfere with when I was going. So if you want to wait, I'll go with you. Don't worry about it. I said, no, because in my head I literally told myself, so if I don't go, I'm not going to go. Which That's, I thought was pretty awesome and bold because that takes a big step. To, to step in a place, especially an entity, uh, you might want to call it, that has already really hurt you. And to go there by yourself, you know, it, that was very bold. And I, I thought that was very, very, very cool. Well, that's what it was. It, it was an uncomfortable thing at first. Like, I, I still remember literally getting in the car, and I started heading that way because I went, I went straight from shift. Um, I headed that way, and I little like, on the way there, I'm like, I, I, can, I can wait. I can wait till you know, he's off. I uh, know I can go. I can go. Well, I have to pass it to get home. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pass it. There's, you know, I'm either going to do it now or I'm not going to do it at all. I pulled in the parking lot and I got, I got there about an hour early and I waited and I had all that time to contemplate. I said, I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm making, I'm trying, I'm trying to convince myself this is a chore. So I ended up just, you know, messing around for 30 minutes on my phone. By the time I look up, parking lot's filling up. I sorry, right, I'm going to go in. That had to be every, every five feet. Are you Dal? Are you Dallas? Are you Dallas? Are you Dal? Are you Scotty's friend? Are you Scotty's friend? And like everybody I talked to, (laughs) and in my head I'm like, he texted every person that woke up this morning. I got a text this morning. Said, 
How many people did you tell I was coming to church today? I, well, I felt like a creeper because it sent a picture of you too. <laughs> yeah, this is him. Send it to all your friends. Uh, well, now you know. Because I'm like, I got like your, your picture pulled up, and I look over and I look at my wife. I'm like, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to him. Hi. Hello. Hey, how are you? Hello, Dallas Dempsey of the Newton County Fire Station. <laughs> and uh. Uh, <laughs> so like every every like i said every five or six feet you know i'm getting a handshake and you know some of them like i'm you know some of them are huggers and uh, russ, pat, pat, that guy named pat he's not right pat, <laughs> he, he's he's not a hugger is he well you know and i met and russ one of the first people i talked to and he goes hey man like you know do you like hot coffee and i said yeah and I'm like yeah I like, you know i like coffee and he goes all right good we got some over here let's go over here and talk and it was it wasn't like that uncomfortable like Hey, you know, like, what's your name? You know, how do you know Scott? Like, not just like the general conversation. People general genuinely wanted to talk to me, and wanted to know like what brought me in today. Like, hey, where are you coming from? Like, what's going on? Like, is there anything we need to know about? Is there anything we can help you with? There was genuine conversation behind it, and even I mean, like I said, I've went I went to the same church for almost two years. I never I felt welcome, but I didn't feel like a part of it. You know, I felt integrated with that. Because there was no, like, ah, you know, like that awkward welcome stage. It was just immediately like, hey, hey, you're part of it now. Well, I will tell you, there's several people that text me that morning that I didn't text about you coming. And they texted me saying, hey, I, uh, I think I met your buddy this morning when he came in. Um, I was just wanting to let you know that, uh, yeah, he, he came in. I met him. You know, they told me who it was, and it was you. Obviously, I knew that. And so – I was like, so don't think that like all those people that are greeting you and talking to you, I only, I think I texted like five people and they were like, it was, I texted these three guys. I texted Russ, Pat and uh, Katie. That's the only people I, I texted. And, and uh, another Dude, thing you is. You ended up sitting with another firefighter too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he knew you were coming. No, no, no. We we ended up yeah. talking out of nowhere. I forgot. I think I was talking to his wife first. She was wondering who I was. And he ended up coming over talking to me. And then, I mean, he, or right off the rip, invited me to sit with him. He's like, hey, man, like, we normally have two seats empty. Like, you're more than welcome. So I was like, okay, like, that's, you know. Well, they, um, and then another thing is, is, is the reason I called uh, Pat and um, Russ was not only to, like, you know, know, know that, hey, my buddy's possibly coming. You know, he's. I told him about the whole lady at another church thing, and um. But I knew, I didn't ask them to, but I knew that they would get all the people together that were worshiping, and they would pray for you that morning, because that's what he'll do. We're talking about. So you talk about Russ. Russ. One thing I love about Russ is, and I'm not floating. I'm not, you know, like pumping him up or anything, <laughs> because he knows good and well that. I give him a smackdown if he needs it. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, I've let him know. <laughs> no, but you're talking about a man that he's 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 very genuine. Like the moment I went to that church, uh, you know, the first message, I, I didn't really like. I was like, uh, it's, I mean, it's all right. But he didn't preach it, you know. And it was it was something going on that day that it wasn't like a normal Sunday. And that's why I went back. But um. But you're talking about a guy, he's just very genuine, and he legitimately cares for people. And you can see that. Like, it's not fake. It's not, 
This guy walks around. So he has an app, and he walks around his neighborhood. And every house, when he's walking his neighborhood, he walks for exercise. But when he passes every house, he looks up on this app, because it's like a neighborhood, you know, watch app kind of thing. And he looks up who the last name of the people who, and he prays for those people. And he goes to the next house and he prays for those people. And he doesn't know who half those people are, but he prays for them. And that's how we should be. We shouldn't be just be praying for our friends and family. We should be praying for everybody we come in contact with. And I knew he would pray for you. That's why, that's why I contacted Russ. And he's very, he's just very personal. Like, I, one of the churches we, we really liked, but the reason I didn't go there is because the, the preacher was not personable. Like, like I'm not I'm talking about this guy, this preacher stayed in his office until the music started of the church. Then he would walk into the church as the music's going, walk up to the, the, the altar area, sit down. And then when he's done preaching, he'd walk out and go back to his office. You can never even see him. And I told Megan, I said, that really stinks. He actually was a really good preacher, but I'm not going, I can't. I can't go to a church right now. I can't like feel like I have a relationship with my preacher. And, but from day one, Russ has never been that way. And that's why I, I want you to go where you think you should go and where you feel the Lord has taken you. Like you said before, it's not a chore. You got to let God take control. And what I feel, what I really feel, and y'all correct me on this. What I really thought was intriguing about what you were saying is that you just admitted to us that you said, I realized I was the problem, which I've never heard you say that before. And we talked when we were on the same shift and together. Oh, my gosh, we talk about this all the time. You know, you don't hear many people say that at all today in today's time. And that's yeah. one of the problems, you know, like y'all reflection. Yeah. Y'all gave me a hard time about the whole GSP thing. But the selfishness, the selfishness. And, and it's always about self-reflection, self, self, self. And so, like, for you to say that really made me. It, it really told me that God's tugging on you because for you to feel that, that remorse or that feeling, there's something going on inside of you. I mean, there's something there. There's there, my, my biggest thing. And part of, part of the reason I always felt like I, you know, I, I don't want to say owed it to God or, you know, I, I like it was a deal. Like I had to keep my end is I've watched, you know, I've watched my siblings, go totally different paths you know my sisters followed my mother my brother you know he's I mean he's he's a really stand-up guy I watched my mom go down a path I still don't know the path my dad took um you know I watched all my sisters you know kids even take the wrong path and I'm not in a place to you know be around and help correct that but when I lost my granddad and I kind of at first I saw it as like okay I'm, I'm stuck with you know a disabled grandmother and two kids that aren't mine <clears throat> I kind of I look back at it now and I'm like that was like that's that's their out that's that's him giving their end of the deal you know those they could have ended up with a totally different life not knowing what their name is you know not having a bite to eat where they're at you know they drive me absolutely insane and but they have a way better life than what they could have and I remember you know council i don't know if you know this or if you remember it you're actually one of the deputies you and deputy rose responded the day my granddad passed away i was actually going to ask you and, if you remembered if i was one of the ones <laughs> and um that day freaking sucked man yeah um 
I that was the first cardiac arrest that I ever. I mean, that was the first person I ever did CPR on. And I'm sitting there explaining to my grandmother, like, "Hey, Pop's probably not coming home. I don't think he is." And I have a mom that's you know shaking like a leaf. I'm having to deal with. I have to tell my niece and nephew when they get home. I just called my brother. He's 45 minutes away. I had to tell him. And dude, when I first moved back like you know really into the house i mean i f- i found out my grandparents didn't have air and heat for two years they were lighting a fireplace in the winter time and they were opening that they had one ac unit throughout the whole house i remember you telling that you they were discussing using. that with me when i and, was out there i mean it was bad i mean they didn't have carpet they were on concrete mm-hmm. you know holes were on the wall but i mean they're they're old i mean like saudi said man they're older they they had 14 people in and out of that house while i was growing up and then when i left you know there's there's still people going in and out it's not you know, like I said, my sister didn't take the best path, so the people they brought around weren't the best either. And when I moved back home, I mean, it was—I it was, felt like I had the entire world against me. At 20 and 21, 22, you know, that's a challenge I can take on. Kids don't ask for that. And I feel bad looking back. You know, like I said, you know, with me being a problem, I have probably made more issues for myself than I should have. The kids are not in that place where they can make their own issues yet. They can still kind of be corrected. And that that was a big part, you know. And for that, with me in that stage of my life, you know, dealing with moving back, is this house going to be suitable for kids to live in? Is this going to be suitable for me? Like, is this somewhere I want to live? Is this somewhere where I want to move back home, help take care of a grandmother in? Is this worth putting my life into? And for that impact of the backstepper comment, I mean, it drove me a lot more off than I thought. I became, I, I, and Scotty knows this, you know, I, I still have a problem with, you know, like really managing where I am in my emotions. I was a very negative person after that because I lost my grandfather. I lost the career I thought I was going to make my life in. I lost the church I was going to, and I lost a whole community, you know, along with that. I was officially completely by myself. And when I first started with the fire service, I go into rookie school. Ask anybody. I was a loner. I hated being around anybody. Didn't want to talk. I just had this negative output on life. And I, I maintained that for a minute up until I got with Scotty and faith was just constantly talked about. I didn't have a, I didn't have a choice. Every third day I was facing that conversation. And when I finally let go of it, it just, it felt so relieving. And that's what I was about to say, you know, him saying Russ is a very genuine guy. I, the guy texts me every two or three days. Like, hey, man, how you doing? You know, are you going to be at, sur- at church this Sunday? Are you going to be at church? You know, hey, we have a small group Tuesday. You know, just keeping up, making sure, like, I'm I'm stuck with. Like, he doesn't, he does not want me to feel that aloneness I felt in that time. And that's that's something that speaks to me. That, that tells me that I'm no longer, you know, I've no longer made a chore out of this. This is not a chore to him. And it's easy. And it makes me kind of feel like I missed out on a lot of time growing with my faith that I could have compared to starting over again and but i mean regardless i'm glad i'm glad i'm starting with it again and you know i pray i stay down the path but i don't i don't think i'll have that issue again knowing that i can be the difference with the problem or not so i mean it's and it's funny that's what i was gonna say you know the minute i start getting involved and opening up a little bit you know i'm sitting next to the guy that responded my granddad passed away the guy that's kind of getting me back here the guy that i worked under and then clint Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's always got to be that guy. Yeah. And there's Clint. Yeah. Just the Clint. Ra- the random guy on the couch. Old country boy. John Wayne. And, you know, Dallas, I'm sitting here, man, and uh, I'm, 
I'm just thinking to myself, like, I'm learning so much from you, like, just speaking about your, you know, your experience so far and your experience coming back to the faith. And, man, it's just, it's awesome. Like, and I, I'll, I'll kind of be, try to be quick with this because we got to wrap it, wrap it up here in just a few minutes. But, um, Clint, what you were saying a few episodes ago, on, like on your on your testimony, maybe not a few episodes ago, it's probably Something a handful of episodes ago. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but what you're saying about um, not taking the opportunity to sit with somebody, yeah. and Dallas, I apologize. I just feel like I got to say it, but like the thought crossed my mind to take an extra minute or two and talk with you and I didn't do it. So I apologize, man. And Scotty, <laughs> thank God for Scotty because he's, you know, he genuinely cares about people. He genuinely cares about you and he loves you. I love you. I know we all love you. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. My point is, you know, we've got to we've got to get rid of this mindset, this like hurry mindset, um, and and we all need to focus on and and taking the time that we have on these calls with these people that we're serving um, as first responders, and you know, take the time to minister to them, uh, maybe take an extra minute or two to, to check on them, or you know, make sure that they're okay, you know, mentally, um, or you know, just how they're doing in general before we leave. Um, you know, and my, my other, my other thought just hearing you talk was something that kept coming back to me was that we can't forget that, you know, as the church, as believers, we can't forget that we all fall short of God's glory. Hmm. We don't, none of us meet that standard that you're talking about. None of us will until that day of completion that, that when Christ and God make us whole in the end but I mean until that time we all fall short we're not nobody's perfect um, and we have to remember that about each other um, otherwise you know like you said it can you know it can send you down that spiral down that path of you know pushing you away mm-hmm. from the church but uh-huh. we're, we're all in this together like we can't we can't do life alone and we all, you know, we all need each other, and we all need to, to you know, we got to keep God and Christ as as our focus. One of my favorite things that I've heard before is that God wants to use flawed and forgiven people to teach other flawed and forgiven people about Jesus. <laughs> and I know that we've mentioned that before, but that that's where I feel like I fit in. Like, man, I'm flawed, and I've I've done some stuff that I know I shouldn't have, some bad habits, you know, little things here and there that I'm not. You know, I don't want to share all the things I've done because I'm not proud of them, but I know that I'm forgiven, and I want to use that. You know, I might be able to reach somebody that you you going through some different stuff that you've gone through. You may be able to reach somebody that some, one of us can't. We may not be able to, you know, to reach them the same way that you're able to. And you may be the one that changes their life. You know what I mean? And I, was, I saw something where somebody was talking about somebody with tattoos the other day. This guy had like sleeve tattoos, and he's a Christian. And people that were quick to judge, kind of like you know the, the backstepper comment. I would imagine that those people see those people with tattoos and think, man, well, that person's going to reach people that other people can't. You know what I mean? There might be somebody that's flawed, 
that has tattoos and they may see this other guy walk up with tattoos that's flawed and forgiven and he's able to connect with them and get them heading in that right direction it don't matter where we've been it matters where we're going and i think that you mm-hmm. just you kind of you said that in not so many words i feel like that's i don't i guess like my my whole thing that i try to and like i'm having this conversation with my nephew now because you know he's the whole time he's been with me it's been like hey like we don't go to church like we're not those people is like i said like you know like council said the standard we everybody meets there there is no standard that's and i think that's what a lot of people like is once the church church is a building but it, and it's kind of like i talk with scotty is the group is what makes it the church and i can't say i i you you walk in any any faith group everybody's positive because that love is shared everywhere there's people who take it back and they you know they they go home and that that positivity's not there but that's that's where that's where i think the whole faith comes into it is you have to be sure that that's what you're believing in you have to know that hey regardless of what i've done regardless of where i go whatever path i take he's on my side at at the very least i have at least one person on my side mm-hmm. and that's i think that's what i failed to realize for a long time is i i do meet the standard every, every single person meets that standard absolutely yeah you <clears throat> he <laughs> absolutely here's one of the things that first i want to tell you when you said you're 21 22 and you had all that stuff on you i'm going to tell you something that's hard for somebody who who was taught how to be a man and grow up and have and have a family and saw the right way that it was supposed to be done. That's something that that guy has a hard time with. And you came from, I mean, none of that, yeah. you know. And <laughs> this is what. So don't 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 you know you've done an excellent job mm-hmm. of what you've been handed. What I want to tell you is when I sit here and listen to you think, when, I, when I'm thinking when you're listening to you, is that God can, all those people in your past and your family that have failed and messed up and done things that are not, I mean, just remotely, just terrible things probably, God can take, like, God can save them from all that. He can rescue them from all that. And... God's working in your life right now. You are feeling this. You're feeling something in your life that's drawing you to that. And it's changing parts of the way you think and the way you feel. And guess who's going to be watching that? Is exactly the people you just said. Is your nephew, your niece, your grandmother, your mom, <clears throat> your sisters. All those people, they're going to start seeing that. And eventually, what's going to happen? I'm telling you. Because I, I believe, I believe in it, is if you if you let God, because, hey, we're in a car, and you got to let go of the wheel. Like, you know, it sounds corny, but you, you're in the car, and people go, Jesus, take the wheel. Well, Jesus doesn't take the wheel. You have to drive, okay? You've just got to listen to his directions, okay? It, you, he's not going to take the wheel from you. That's your responsibility. But you take that wheel, and then you listen. He's your navigator, and he'll tell you where to go. So when you start feeling down, when you don't feel like you're sufficient, and when you don't feel like that, you pray, and he'll fill you. He'll fill you with that void. He'll fill you with that, that, that strength, and that strength is what's going to fill your siblings. Like Clint said, you have no idea who you, who you could influence. And just think about 
your family and your 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 nephew. I know your nephew. You raise him like he's your son, and you care. I mean, more about him than anybody. You know, I give you a hard time about that all the time. You know, <laughs> he said something about his nephew one day, and I said, "Oh, so I guess if your nephew is in a, in a, in a if I'm in a fire and you've got to live, <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna die, and you're just gonna go back home so you can take care of your nephew." And, and he's like, uh, well, I wouldn't put it, that, that hypothetical didn't work out for you, Scotty. I, I wouldn't go yeah. throwing that around. I said, well, I mean, just uh, let my kids know at least they'll get you know some kind of death, cert, you know, death uh, pay or whatever. He said, he said you're gonna be crispy that day. You're going, that's gonna, gonna be a bad day for Scotty. High five you on the way but out. But you don't know, man. You don't know. Like, it's gonna you. You can. The Lord can use you. And right now he's got you've got to let him use you for you right now, and then he'll strengthen you up, and you're and people are going to start seeing that in you. Good stuff, so. y'all. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for uh, for listening. We hope you're encouraged, um, just as, just as much as we were encouraged here this evening, talking with Dallas. Um, sorry, Lane. I'll call you by the name you want to be called. There you go. Um, but guys, uh, guys and girls, if you, if you, uh, if you feel the same way that, that Lane has felt, um, with his experience in the faith, if you feel like you've been, you know, burned or rejected by the church, um, you can know that you're not alone. Um, but you can also know that that's not how, you know, God has, uh, designed or intended the church to be. Um, so just know that we love you and, you are loved by the church and by God, and feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to us on Facebook uh, under Faithful Responders. You can reach out to us by email as well, respondcommunity at gmail.com. That's respondcommunity, all one word, gmail.com. And we'd love to talk with you or answer any questions you might have for us. And, yeah. so We could also send you the right people if, if there's something that, is way over our heads because I know for facts over mine. After I listen to Mouton talk, I don't know him. Mean, he might know everything, but I, <laughs> I on the other hand, <laughs> am very flawed in education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know we have a uh, a main guy. Uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll put out uh, his phone number, Scotty. He likes you know every one of you to text him. Um, Bring it. <laughs> yeah, uh, every single one. Even if you get up one a.m. in the morning and just feel like talking to somebody, that's that's what he wants. You have um, to, if you do that, you have to uh, call, like, I think it's three times, because my wife makes me put night mode on, and, and on the third, the third time, time it, it comes yeah, through. the third time it'll come through, so if you need to talk, just call three times. <laughs> I'm going to be real, if y'all can call me ten times, I'm not going to wake up. <laughs> but that does not mean we don't love you, all right? And we, we still true. want you to reach out, okay? So probably try the Gmail thing, yeah. That, Every third day, though, if you call if you call 911, we will come. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure it's uh, a real emergency. Yeah. Right. Sure Straight to jail. Uh, yeah, otherwise, right uh, find a, a different building to be in. <laughs> Not so cozy. Oh, man. All right, y'all. Well, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. We love, love you guys. Stay safe. Peace. Peace.